Welcome to another episode of Poetry Centered, the show that introduces you to recordings of poets reading their own work at the University of Arizona Poetry Center in Tucson. In each episode, we invite a contemporary poet to select and introduce three recordings before closing with a poem of their own. The archival recordings come from VOCA, our open access online audiovisual archive going back to 1963. I'm Julie Swarstead Johnson, the Poetry Center's archivist and outreach librarian. Today, our host is poet, writer, and educator Sarah Borjas. Her debut poetry collection, titled Heart Like a Window, Mouth Like a Cliff, won a 2020 American Book Award. She teaches at UC Riverside. In this episode, Sarah brings together poems by Lely Long Soldier, Juan Felipe Herrera, and Richard Saiken. Each poem, in one way or another, focuses attention on an us, a particular collective we, joined by lineage, language, place, or even the acts of reading and writing. Sarah, thank you so much for being our guide today. My name is Sarah Borjas, and I'm recording from Fresno, California. The first poem I like to share is Whereas Her Birth Signaled by Lely Long Soldier, read at the Poetry Center on November 2nd, 2017. I chose this poem for its subjects language, being, mothers and daughters, which are also subjects I'm obsessed with. Lely takes her time reading, savoring each syllable and I find power in her willingness to sit with their small sounds, giving each one due credit. This makes me think of daughters, specifically Mexican daughters, and all the invisibilized labor of women in Mexican families. Speaking towards her daughter, Lely writes, what did I know of our language but pieces? Would I teach her to be pieces? until a friend comforted, don't worry, you and your daughter will learn together. When I put myself together in poems, I feel I'm also putting my mother together and that my wholeness is dependent upon hers. She's first. I don't know how to save us and I don't have children but I am sensitive to the power of words. And so this is what I spend my life doing. This poem and how Lely reads this poem are meaningful to me for reminding me of that. I'm grateful for this poem because when I experience it, it breaks me a little, but I don't feel broken after I've read it. This is Lely Long Soldier reading whereas her birth signaled. I had someone sort of, an interviewer kind of ask me, probe me a little bit about why I write so much about my daughter. And I felt really embarrassed because I already knew I write about her quite a, you know, she she appears in quite a few of my um, pieces. So, you know, I was embarrassed because I didn't want to seem completely obsessed with her or maybe lacking material to work with. (laughs) But I will say that also uh, in this work, 
um, particularly she uh, in a way represents or symbolizes the next generation, you know, our young people and uh, their, the responsibility that we have to them. So this is a little bit, another piece that she appears in. Whereas her birth signaled the responsibility as mother to teach what it is to be Lakota, therein the question, what did I know about being Lakota? Signal panic, blood rush, my embarrassment. What did I know of our language but pieces? Would I teach her to be pieces? Until a friend com comforted, don't worry, you and your daughter will learn together. Today she stood, sunlight on her shoulders, lean and straight, to share a song in Diné, her father's language. To sing, she motions simultaneously with her hands. I watch her be in multiple musics. At a ceremony to honor the Diné nation's first poet laureate, a speaker explains that each people has been given their own language to reach with. I understand reaching as active, a motion. He offers a prayer and introduction in heritage language. I listen as I reach my eyes into my hands, my hands onto my lap, my lap as a quiet page. I hold my daughter in. I rock her back, forward, to the rise of other conversations about mother tongues versus foster languages, belonging. I connect the dots. I rock in time with references to a philosopher. This is actually Derrida, but I didn't write that. Um, a master language thinker who thought of his mother too. Mother to child and child to mother relationships. But as this philosopher's mother suffered the ill effects of a stroke, he wrote, unquote, I asked her if she was in pain, yes, then where, she replies to my question. I have a pain in my mother, as though she were speaking for me, both in my direction and in my place. His mother, who spoke in his place for his pain and as herself for her own, did this as one and the same. Yet, he would propose understanding the word mother by what mother is not. The difference. Forward, back, I lift my feet. My toes touch ground. 
as I'm reminded of the linguistic impossibility of identity, as if any of us can be identical ever. To whom, to what, perhaps to not. I hold my daughter in comfort saying, True, I'm never sure how to write our language on the page correctly. The written takes many forms. I don't know if any of you know Lakota, but there's like a million ways to write any given word, it seems like. Um, they're still hammering out the certain things in any case. Yet I know she understands through our motion, rocking in this country of so many languages where national surveys assert that native languages are dying. Child speakers and elder teachers dwindle. This is public information. But her father and I don't teach in statistics. In this dying, I mean. Whereas speaking itself is defiance. The closest I can come to difference. Whereas I confess these are numbered hours spent responding to a national apology which concerns us, my family. These hours alone to think without. My hope, my daughter understands wholeness for what it is, not for what it's not, all of it, the pieces. Thank you. The second poem I'd like to share is Let Us Gather in a Flourishing Way by Juan Felipe Herrera, written in 1970 and read at the Poetry Center on March 14, 2009. Juan is one of my poetry guides and is from California's Central Valley like I am. Once I took my parents to a reading he did at Fresno State, excited to introduce them to a poet from the valley born in Fowler thinking it was going to be some demystifying experience for them. Well, we ended up writing into someone my mom knew from Pinedale, which is a small Chicano neighborhood in Fresno, uh, and that person was also Juan's relative. And so before I could create my unifying moment uh, I, that I had planned, we ended up chopping it up like family. The poem reminds us to gather in a way that serves us. And that's what happened naturally that day when we were just ourselves, when I wasn't allowed to force it, when we weren't just poets and we weren't academics. Juan and his work centers people. It's always us that's the subject, not me or you. My education 
with the us in poetry has been a backwards one. I went to graduate school thinking I was writing for my community and ended up writing for the white gaze, a you that I can never belong with. Later, I heard Sherry Moraga say, when we write for the white man, we deprive the world of our truth, the complexities that have yet to be told. This poem reminds me to write the complexities from the garden of joys and the garden of struggles in a way that nurtures us. Sometimes that means the poem is more like a glass of water than an absolute banger. When I was a student of Juan's, he told me that not every poem had to be a banger. He told me we also need glasses of water. This is Juan Felipe Herrera reading, Let Us Gather in a Flourishing Way. Let us gather in a flourishing way. It's like 1970. Let us gather in a flourishing way. This is, I think, what we're all doing today. And Patty and Chris and the whole team at the press is doing. And uh, all the writers. And my nephew, Jesus, and all of you here today. Let us gather in a flourishing way with sun-loose grains abriendo los cantos que cargamos cada día en el young pasto nuestro cuerpo para regalar y dar feliz perlas, pearls of corn flowing, árboles de vida en las cuatro esquinas. Let us gather in a flourishing way, contentos, llenos de fuerza, tu vida, giving nacimientos to fragrant ríos, dulces, frescos, verdes, turquoise, strong, Carne de nuestros hijos, rainbows, let us gather in a flourishing way. En la luz y en la carne of our heart to toil. Tranquilos in fields of blossoms, juntos to stretch los brazos, tranquilos with the rain. En la mañana, temprana estrella on our forehead. Cielo de calor and wisdom to meet us where we toil siempre in the garden of our struggle and joy. Let us gather Offer our hearts a saludar our águila rising freedom, a celebrar woven brazos, branches, ramas, piedras, nopales, plumas, piercing, bursting, figs and aguacates, ripe mariposa fields and mares claros of our face. To breathe todos en el camino, blessing seeds, to give, to grow, maislan, en las manos de nuestro amor. The third poem I'd like to share is Planet of Love by Richard Sykin, recorded at the Poetry Center on November 23rd, 2002. Sykin's collection, Crush, is my first favorite collection of poems. The direct address and implication of the reader helped illuminate my own participation and my complicity in the things I was writing about and also presented the possibility of my intervention. I love how this poem breaks the fourth wall and also admits that the speaker reader motivates the script 
plays along simply because it's already written down in all they know. I feel this way about the literary canon we have inherited, and it helps me intervene in the one we're creating. This poem also reminds me of a play that inspires me similarly, and I think I love them for the same reasons. The play is, I Don't Have to Show You No Stinking Badges, written by Luis Valdez, which was produced in Los Angeles in 1986, the year I was born. Valdez started Teatro Campesino, a farm workers' theater born during the Delano Grape Strike in California's Central Valley, where I'm from. The play explores a search for an authentic Chicano identity against the limiting stereotypes and restricted possibilities afforded Chicanos in the 80s. Sonny Villa, the protagonist, wants to be a director, like Saiken's speaker. They want to tell the story, but they want to tell the story that's true now. Saiken's poem empowers me, reminds me that someone, maybe me, is watching, is waiting. This is Richard Saiken reading Planet of Love. Imagine this. You driving, the sky's bright, you look great. In a word, in a phrase, it's a movie. You're the star, so smile for the camera. It's your big scene. You know your lines. I'm the director. I'm in a helicopter. I have a megaphone, and you play along. Because you want to die for love. You always have. Imagine this. You're pulling the car over. Somebody's waiting. You're going to die in your best friend's arms. It's a tragedy. It's predictable. And you play along because it's funny. Because it's written down. You've memorized it. It's all you know. I say the phrases that keep it all going, and everybody plays along. Imagine someone's pulling a gun, and you're jumping into the middle of it. You didn't think you'd feel this way. There's a gun in your hand. It feels hot. It feels oily. You've ruined everything. I'm the director, and I'm screaming at you. I'm waving my arms in the sky, and everyone's watching. Everyone's curious. Everyone's holding their breath. Considering the poems I've shared today by Lely Long Soldier, Juan Felipe Herrera, and Richard Seiken, it feels appropriate to share a poem that celebrates my mother, my daughterness, language, California's Central Valley, community, and new directions. So I'll read this poem from my collection, 
heart like a window, mouth like a cliff. And it's called Narcissus Complicates an Old Plot. I am guilty of everything every woman I'm supposed to be has committed. I open the letter on the dining table, addressed to my name from a story I don't remember or want. I modify, elevate the plot and the stakes. I have another mouth on me, a history, a mother too quiet, and we live multidimensional. Men on horses trail us through a field of corn and modern family reruns. I cut the stalks with my chrome-painted nails. We go cruising afterwards in denim jumpsuits. This is about definition. I complicate the novel I stole from my mother's hands. I receive a soccer scholarship. She comes home from work. My parents take a honeymoon. I never learned Spanish, but I love myself anyways. I cook pozole for my friends and recite Sexton and Cervantes in political arguments. I can bend steel with my stained teeth or unhate my mother crawling around in me. It was never weakness. It was a mythology, a whole family of whizzing gnats. It's what I learned in high school and Friday night television. Someone needed to put it out of its misery. I'm a magenta wave of blood creating a radical curriculum. I open a letter on the dining table. I answer as glorious daughter of a woman. I can forgive. Sarah, thank you again for your time and for choosing these poems that center communities. Listeners, thank you for being part of our community. We're so thankful to share this time with you. Check out our show notes for links to more of Sarah's work and the full readings that you heard portions of today. You can always find transcripts for each episode by visiting the Buzzsprout website for the show. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. Two weeks from now, we hope you'll join us for an episode hosted by Khadijah Queen. Thanks again for being here. Poetry Centered is a project of the University of Arizona Poetry Center, home to a world-class library collection of more than 80,000 items related to contemporary poetry in English and English translation. Located on the campus of the University of Arizona in Tucson, the Poetry Center Library and buildings are housed on the indigenous homelands of the Tohono O'odham people. Poetry Centered is the work of Diana Marie Delgado, that's me, and Julie Swarstad Johnson, with support from Sarah Jemski. Explore VOCA, the Poetry Center's audiovisual archive online at voca.arizona.edu.